0: one of the things that especially i think young dads can forget is that you're using your strength to invest in someone else's strength Hmm. because children are wealth Uh, we just can't we can't we can't forget the fact the government wants us to always think about how expensive kids are right the exact opposite is, is is the reality is that yes there is an investment of time and money that kids require but the payoff is just so exponentially beyond anything that you can put into a balance sheet that when you invest in your children when you invest in your sons when you invest in your daughters you're literally investing in yourself and those children the strength of those children will be your glory and your crown as well so not only is is the glory of the young man his strength but that strength if it's directed into building his house if it's if the if the young woman's is is directing their strength into building her house, then what they're actually doing is just building out more glory, building out more strength, because that's what this this whole investment is about.
1: Howdy folks, welcome back to the Now That We're A Family podcast. I just concluded uh, an interview with Joe Stout, who is Joe Stout? Well, he's many things, and I wish we had many more hours than what we had today to continue on the conversation that was so engaging. But just a quick just a quick preview, I should say, as to who Joe is, because you're going to hear it from himself here in a few minutes. Joe Stout is the father of nine children. He and his wife, Elizabeth, have nine children, ages 13, down to eight months of age, 13 years to eight months of age. Uh, he runs a second generation, almost 90-year-old company called Mount Capra, where they produce Goat goat milk-based nutritional supplementation. He and his family live on a goat farm with 500 goats that they milk and then, again, produce those nutritional supplements from. Uh, He is an amazing musician. He runs his family's business. He is an amazing father. He's also a founding member at a local church that he kind of helped start and plant. And then uh, he also started a local Christian school as well. So he's done many things in his uh, young life. Of course, having thir- having nine children in just you know a few years of marriage is pretty impressive in and of itself. But folks, enjoy this episode. I love I love what we get to talk about in today's episode. It's it's near and dear to me. And also, I should say this because I don't know if I say it in the episode. Joe is a longtime friend. Out of all of the guests that we've had on the podcast, Joe is the one that I've known the longest. I I I grew up in the same community as him, as you will hear. Um, and he's been a true friend and a mentor to me in my in my walk in my life and so this was a really fun time for me to reconnect with Joe and hear about his life so if you enjoy this podcast please leave a rating or a review on whatever platform you're listening to this on. Uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, maybe hit that subscribe button, hit the like button. And for all the things that we talk about in this conversation, we will link them below. So you can find out more about Joe's company and, and how you could go about getting his products. You can learn more about his family. There's some fun videos of them on the farm on their website. Uh, you can hear Joe's music on his website. So yeah, you can learn more about his school and his church. I'll link that all below. Um, so that you can follow up after this episode and see what Joe's up to. Anyways, enjoy today's conversation.
0: The Now That We're A Family Podcast! All right,
1: well, Joe Stout, I already told our listeners a little bit about you. Of course, I can't even scratch the surface in a quick introduction as to who Joe Stout is. Uh, But first off, thanks for being here today.
0: (laughs) My pleasure to be on here, and um, really excited what you and uh, you and Katie are getting done there, and um, excited to be here for you.
1: Yeah, like I said, I already gave a little introduction, but could you, in your own words, maybe tell our listeners, like when you bump into a friend on the street that hasn't seen you, you know, in ten years or fifteen years, and they're like, "Joe, what? Like, what are you doing? What does your life look like?" What tell us what that is.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I I usually say it's. Um, it's full of kids uh, both the goat kind and the human kind nice um I've, I've got a lot of children i've got nine children my wife uh, elizabeth and i've been married for about 15 years uh, we've got a 13 year old down to about an eight month old six girls three boys and we live on a goat farm we got about 500 goats on our goat farm and so we are just living this farm life um we, we live on the farm with my parents so there's actually three generations living on the farm and uh, it's just a blast. It's uh, when I, when, if I run into somebody I haven't seen in a while, I'm, I'm letting them know about the ways God has just ble- just overwhelmingly just let loose the floodgates of heaven of blessing upon me. Don't deserve any of it, a, but, but trying to remember every day to, to, to see with, with fresh eyes every day that, that um, the, the blessings he's given me, because yeah, we've got kids, incredible wife, Got this farm that we live on, um, and then just recently, I don't know how long you want me to go here, but I can just keep going.
1: This is great. I, th- yeah, also, yeah, great. I mean, I want to hear this self- selfishly. Right, so right. keep going. So, so actually, you know, uh, a
0: lot of us have, uh, everyone has had to had to live through the uh, the last two two and a half years of um, pandemic, and and there's been just so many blessings that have come out of that for my wife and I. One of one of which is we were able to. Um, finally, see Lewis County um, have a, uh, a reformed church get planted in Lewis County. And so in May of 2021, we were able to uh, be a part of a movement to plant a um, a reformed church in Lewis County. It's called Christ Covenant Church. Um, I'm one of the elders there, and it's just been a tremendous blessing to see God at work there. Um, from the strength of that church plant, we were able to just launch a um, Uh, a classical Christian academy, uh, Christ the King Academy. Um, That started in September of this year. Um, And and it's just, these are things that have come about because um, God, in the midst of trials, just likes to um, bring his children through those trials and bless them more abundantly than they could ever have even thought to ask or think, as Paul likes to tell us. So um, just just reveling in the goodness of God right now. That's, that's where my, that's where my life is right now.
1: It seems like a good spot to be reveling in the goodness of God. Yes. As as far as like, if that's like a neutral spot then that's a good neutral, you know, that's just like your coast mode. Uh, well, you know, I don't even think I mentioned, uh, to our listeners that I think you're my first guest that I've got, I can go way back in years in knowing you, you know, I think I was probably 9, 10. I mean, probably younger than that. I don't remember not ever knowing you because we grew grew up in the same community. Right. Um, and uh, there was times where we had more of a close, you know, friendship. And you've been close with my brother, Joby. And then obviously yeah. life happens and you and go your separate ways and do your own right. thing. But I was I've been blown away. To just kind of like tap back into your life from a peripheral standpoint and see all that, you know, the Lord's accomplished, but what you've been able to do over the last, really, I feel like probably 10 years is when I last really, you know, had had a long conversation with you, maybe, maybe eight, eight to 10 years ago. Um, and. Because uh, you kind of take us back, you know what was your childhood? Because I think so many things that you are living right now is of interest to me and to our listeners. Where you're, you've got a multi generational business. You are living a multi on a multi generational farm. Um, you've got your your parents who are involved in your children's lives. You are on a daily basis involved in the operations of a business, but then you're also heavily involved in the discipleship of your children while still being, like you said, a founding member and an elder at your church. That's that's just a lot of things. And so I kind of want to hear what the journey was like to get to that and um, maybe even going back to your upbringing. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I mean, my I I could not be more um, thankful for the for the parents that my uh, that that God gave me. I've just got a mom and a dad who came to this area of of Washington State, uh, Lewis County, Um, and they came they came in the 70s. And my dad had uh, the Lord had put on his heart that he to to be a farmer. They were both city kids, Hmm. and um, my mom was a teacher. And my dad basically said, "You wherever you get a job, as long as it's rural, I'll find I'll find work uh, as a literally doing anything on a farm." Nice. So he 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 became a um, he became a uh, a manure transfer technician at a uh, meaning he he shoveled manure at a large cow dairy. Uh, Had no skills. He actually had a psychology degree, but he was like, "I want to be a farmer, so I'm going to start at the bottom." And within four years, he was running that dairy. I think it was a thousand cow dairy, Um, and that was back in the 70s. And then he went off onto his on his own after those four years. Got his own cow dairy, actually at the time, um, and started having kids. And about that time, we had the so 1980. Um, it was uh, May of 1980. It was a very famous date, if you know, uh, if you were alive back then. I actually wasn't, but I've heard enough about it. It was the day that uh, Mount St. Helens blew, yeah. and absolutely covered the state of Washington in ash. And um, because of that, there were all of these kind of government bailout programs. And um, one of the things for farmers is that. Um, the, 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 the government essentially came in and, and allowed farmers to kind of get out of the milk production business. And this was advantageous for the government at the time because they subsidized the milk price. And at the time there was too much milk being produced. And so they offered these very, very lucrative deals for getting out of cow dairy. Well, my dad still wanted to dairy cows, um, but or he still wanted to be a, a dairyman, but he didn't want to do cows anymore anyways. And so got out of the cows. And transitioned into um, into, into goats. Hmm. And his reasoning for that, from a business standpoint, was that cow dairymen were always at the um, were always at the mercy of whatever the uh, government set milk price was. But if you have the ability to um, set yourself off and make yourself um, more marketable, something that that is is your thing that you do and you do it better than anyone else, then um, then you have a real opportunity to to be successful. Well, most goat dairies are, they're, you know, they're pet projects, they're, they're hobby farms. And so my dad had his vision of be, be, bringing an actually sustainable goat dairy um, to the area. And, and so I was able to do that. I grew up on the farm hmm. um, and um, just had a great childhood growing up. Uh, just my whole childhood was, I was brought up knowing, knowing, to, knowing the Lord, knowing, to, knowing uh, who, who my God was, and um and so when i left to go to school um i just stayed here and of course we, we never moved i stayed here in lewis county when i left to go to school at wsu i had a couple of options in front of me one of which was to become a vet, veterinarian and the other one was to continue working in the family business i chose the vet option and was was um, exploring becoming a vet when it just hit me like a ton of bricks, like, I don't want to be a vet. I want to work in this family business. I want to take this over from my dad one day. And so I got my degree. I got two degrees actually in food science um, was the, was kind of the minor. And then human nutrition was really, is really my areas of expertise. I have a bachelor's and a master's in human nutrition. And so I was able to um, get uh, very uh, applicable and uh, apropos knowledge for the, um, for the, uh, the world that we we exhibit here in, uh, in Washington with, yeah. with the goat with the goat dairy, because we're not making cheese with this goat milk, we're creating nutritional supplements. And so yeah. everything we do centers around human nutrition. And so the Lord is able to provide me with, uh, with a good education to be able to use that in the in the business. And so um, I started working for my dad in a full-time capacity in, two, um, in 2011. Um, and I actually took over the business uh, in 2012. And so I, I ran the business as the, um, and I ran the farm and I ran the business because my dad in his desire to better himself and better the company actually went back to school himself uh, to become a naturopathic doctor. So, so basically we had these two tracks. One, one guy was going nutrition, one guy was going naturopathic, uh, naturopathic doctor. Um, and in that time, I was able to really kind of take over the business Um, and now my dad is back from that. He's, he's got his ND now and we're both uh, running this business together. He, he focuses more on the farm side of things. I focus more on the business, the marketing, the production side of things. Hmm. Um, and then just in the last two years, um, I was, have been able to, um, expand out into something entirely non-business related into the realm of planting Christ covenant church and being a part of planting Christ covenant church and Christ the King Academy, Hmm. um, And those really are would be where I love what I'm doing with Mount Capra. That is that I I I plan on I don't I never plan on stopping, Um, but if all I was doing with Mount Capra and there was no way for that success to spill out into, then I would feel like, man, there's got to be something more. Sure, because I have the success of this business that I'm able to direct, the additional blessings towards these endeavors. Everything makes more sense now because of that, and so really in the last two years. I feel like the Lord has really placed a a, the blessing of belonging for me in this area, Mm. uh, in a way that I hadn't experienced up until probably about two two to three years ago. So
1: wow, praise the Lord for that! What a cool thing to see come to fruition. Yeah, it's funny. I'm just going to say this before I forget that I'll jump back into some of your story. Uh, But I think it was again. I'm 32 now, and I think I was probably 20 years old roughly. And we were in a Bible. We would meet. early in the morning. I forget which day of the week we would meet. Yeah. And there's a, there's a quote that you said that has stuck with me ever. I still, oh, really? I still say it to myself to this day. And I probably even like misquote you, really? but, um, but we don't, you, my brother, Joey would come, I think, you know, Isaac Freeman, yeah. um, it might've been just that there might've been nobody else actually, yeah. but, but, uh, and it was early in the morning before the day started. And I think I came one time grumbling about being tired because I think we'd meet at 5 a.m. Yeah. And, you ju- and you just said, well, you know, the glory of a young man is a strength. Uh, and you said, this is the time. To not get sleep. This is the time to pour into and you were pouring into your family at that time. And you said, this is the time while you've got your strength to have sleepless nights and to mature in your faith and to grow and to work work heartily. And even now as a young father, I still say that to myself when I when I am having those sleepless nights with with sick kids or I'm getting up earlier than what I would prefer. I think, well, boy, praise the Lord that the glory of a young man is his strength, yeah. um, and that's and praise the Lord that I'm able to be a father while still in my youth. You know, like having yeah. my kids while I still have that youthful strength. And then it also just reminds me what a better way to spend that. Like, is there a better way to spend that strength, that that youth, than on building up a family? And um, so, anyways, that's something that stuck with me for for all these years. Going back yes, to, and, and you did. I'm I'm so glad you brought that up because one of the things that, especially, I think young dads can
0: forget is that you're using your strength to invest in someone else's strength mm. because children are wealth. Uh, it, it, we just can't, we can't, we can't forget the fact the government wants us to always think about how expensive kids are. Right. But the exact opposite is, is, is the reality is that yes, there is an investment of time and money that kids require, but the payoff is just so exponentially beyond anything that you can put into a balance sheet that, when you invest in your children, when you invest in your sons, when you invest in your daughters, you're literally investing in yourself, and those children, the strength of those children, will be your glory and your crown as well. So, not only is is the glory of young man his strength, but that strength, if it's directed into building his house, if it's if the if the young woman's is is directing their strength into building her house, then what they're actually doing is just Building out more glory, building out more strength, because that's what this this whole investment is about. Mm. Is about it's it's just they are wealth and they are a long term investment, but but you cannot get a better
1: payoff. Amen. Praise the Lord. What a what a great thing to uh, believe and to grasp and to truly embrace that reality. Because yeah. Um, yeah, like you said, like you can't you can't quantify it on a balance sheet. Yeah. Um, although your dad's probably grateful that he raised you up, you know, I'm sure you've, I'm sure you've 10 X his business, right? Yeah. And you you brought him up. Uh, but I
0: I haven't crashed it yet. We'll just put it that way. (laughs)
1: Uh, but, but the, but the return on that investment is so beyond anything we could ever experience if we were to direct that energy or those finances elsewhere, there is, there is no better place to put that energy and those finances um you know speaking to family i was gonna ask a couple of things about the business but when did you because you were brought up in were you homeschooled growing up
0: yeah i was not i'm i am a almost entirely a product of the uh, of the public school system i see wow man they did such a good job on you <laughs> yeah, Just exactly, such right. a... <laughs> even, even my college was a state school <laughs>
1: Right on. So then uh, did you grow up with this perspective of what you just articulated with children being that type of blessing? Um, And and again, I know your parents are awesome. I know your parents and they're godly people, but was it, was it something that was preached with that type of clarity and grasped at a a young age for you?
0: You know, uh, it's, that's, that's a really, that's really interesting question. um, Precisely because um, I, I remember the, the, almost to the day sitting in, as a junior in high school, sitting in a, um, a chemistry class, and just getting this realization that my, I, I just remember thinking like it was yesterday, my kids will never see the inside of one of these buildings. I just remember having that. And, and honestly, uh, I, I don't know how, uh, I, I mean, not to uh, not to suck up to the host of this podcast or anything, but um, the fact that you're family was homeschooling so faithfully with so many kids long before it was ever cool, long before everybody was doing it, played a huge role in our community. Hmm. And it played, and it definitely impacted me in a big way. And so it was, it was kind of during that time when I was first starting to, to, to be around kids that weren't public school kids Hmm. Um, and being like, wow, I, I, you know, these are kids that are like challenging me to be a better Christian, not just a better athlete. These are kids Hmm. that are challenging me to be kinder to my sister, not just get better grades Um, or not always even getting better grades in the public school. But, but, but I do remember specifically as a junior, uh, it was just, I'll just call it the Holy Spirit. Just like my kids are never going to see the inside of one of these buildings. Um, And then as I got older and, and Elizabeth and I met and we were talking about getting married, I remember standing in the kitchen, uh, her parents' kitchen, describing to her how we weren't you know, we weren't going to homeschool or that we weren't going to send our kids to a, to a public school and that we'd most likely homeschool them. And her eyes just got big and she was just like, what, we're going to homeschool. And God bless her. God bless that woman. I mean, she never once has never once second guessed that. I mean, she, she went with me on it because it was not her idea, at least initially. And, and now, and now it's funny because when Christ the King Academy started, uh, I have six we we started with about thirty students in the school, and it's from K all the way up to twelve. Uh, and about of those thirty students, six uh, six of them are mine. <laughs> nice. So I, I I make up a big uh, stouts make up a big portion of the population. But I mean, her heart was uh, was rejoicing and mourning at the idea of them of her kids going to day school again mm. because she's so fully embraced and loved homeschooling so much. And so really, it it's just been a that idea of. Kids um, are, are wealth, and kids need the investment of their parents training them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Whether that's through uh, you know daily homeschooling, or whether that's through partnering with a with an organization that has that as their primary focus, meaning that your that parents are the ones in charge of raising up their kids in the fear and admonition of the Lord, not the school. So so in the in the world of uh, in the world of um, government. And I don't mean government like civil government. Um, I just mean the world of government. You have three real forms of government. You have civil government, which is you know Democrats, Republicans, things like that. Then you have church government, um, and that's and, and, and these these forms of government have been instituted by God. You have civil government, you have church government, and then you have family government. And in family government, that is where children have been placed, and that and their parents have been um, given the charge to raise their children up. Uh, specifically fathers, but by, by extension, mom and dad, to raise their children up in the paideia of God, that paideia, that's that a Greek word that, that is this idea of all-encompassing. Everything you do um, is to be done in Christ for, and for Christ's glory. Um, and so if you do a day school, if that day school is in any way taking that away from you as a parent, then that day school is failing your children. And so with Christ King Academy, our whole goal was to be a a walking servant, a walking tool, a living and breathing tool to help parents to raise their children up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. All we can do is do what you have authorized us as their parents to do. Um, And so um, that has been just an enormous blessing to remember that whether you're homeschooling or you're partnering with a organization that will help you raise them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord, those are your only two options. There isn't a third way. There's not a third way. You can't, there's no option to hand your kids over to to teachers and to organizations that explicitly exclude God from the education. Scripture is undeniably clear that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. You can't even start learning until you start with the fear of the Lord. That's right. And so that's why why we've been so excited. We've loved homeschooling. Um, But we've also are being so stretched with this day schooling environment too. Um, I can't remember exactly how we got onto that, but I just went.
1: Well, no, I love what you said. And since, since we got to that point, I'm curious as to what, uh, what led to making the transition from homeschooling and then having this vision for the school? Because as you already stated, your your wife loved it. She she was mourning the loss of it. Um, you were discipling your children. You were bringing up bringing them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Um, you're an advocate of homeschooling. It sounds like. Um, and so, why? What was what was the motivation then to start the school?
0: A, a big part of the motivation had to do. It was it was it was another COVID blessing. It was another pandemic blessing. Um, uh, our local Christian school, um, it was uh, it went through some very hard times during the pandemic. Um, and it wasn't it wasn't clear in the midst of everything whether or not it would continue to be a viable option for the kids of our community. Um, and I want I think sometimes christians can can think they they can think about Christ's kingdom in like the national way, or they they get all bent out of shape because of the president did this or the governor did this. but but really, the beauty of the American judicial system is that it's been it's been broken into counties. There's over 3,000 counties. And at the county level, you actually, as a citizen, have influence. And as a citizen of, of my county, I wanted there to be more options of Christian education for our covenant kids, uh, not just my own kids. And so I knew that I could give, I knew that we had the means to continue to give our kids the kind of education that was good, that was, that was commanded. Um, but there wasn't there. I didn't feel like uh, that there was a, another option for any of those situations where parents couldn't um, homeschool. And, 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 it, and there is no third option. Like I said, there's not a third option where, where you can say, oh, well, I guess I have to hand them over to Caesar because there, I just don't have any other options. No, that, that's where the church has to step in and has to make a way That and they have to support. If you're a single mom, become a local member of your church of your local church, and they will help you with this. And if they won't, find a church that will. Um, But leading up to your question, I want to see my community have robust Christian education available, both in the homeschool community, which we do, um, in in largely is is a huge uh, a huge shout out or a huge glory to God for the Vogtberg family and for other families that early on were kind of pioneers uh, in, in this area because C- the Centralia Chehalis area is an enormous, it's just a hot spot for homeschooling. It's just, yeah. it's unusual how, how amazing it is. And so, um, so that, was, that was a big reason for us. And that was probably the biggest reason. Um, the second reason um, is a little bit more practical. Um, my, my oldest son um, just turned 13 um, and homeschooling is really, really, really effective uh, um, in the younger ages and can become more difficult, especially for young men, um, because generally mom is the one doing it. Um, and so young men oftentimes have to sit under more of a matriarchal um, uh, a matriarchal teacher, which is totally, it's good for them. They need to learn how to submit and say, yes, ma'am, um, and obey right away, all the way and cheerfully. But um, I wanted my sons to have the ability, and my daughters too, to see, and learn from and sit under the authority of godly men. Um, and so just like yesterday at school, um, uh, I, I help lead the everyday, we, we, start, we start the school day off with something we call capella. And capella is chapel in Latin. And every day we start this off and we have catechism, when we do, we sing psalms and we read scripture. Well, I help, I help lead that. So, so, okay, all these students um, see me as a man up there singing songs Okay. How, how many of these students have never seen a man sing a song in a, in a masculine way? Right. Um, and then, and then we have our headmaster, the headmaster is uh, Mr. Hoy and Mr. Hoy is with these students all day long. Um, and then we had a substitute teacher and that was Mr. Demoling and he was filling in for, it was, he was filling in for a teacher who was out sick. And then after school, we had our choir director, uh, Mr. BJ Kaikendal, who's about six foot five and has got the about the biggest baritone voice you'll ever hear. And so they're learning how to sing from from these men and they're learning how to love Jesus from these men. And that's something that I couldn't give my kids as as frequently in a homeschool environment. And and I feel like that's I feel like the path forward for Christianity uh, in the midst of um, what Aaron Wren calls the negative world. I feel like part, part of the path forward is that men have to be have to see that Christianity is in, in fact masculine and that it and that our, our Savior is masculine and that the ma- in, in that we can embrace the fact that God gave us men and being a man is a good thing and that we don't have to try and soften the edges of our manhood but that we can lead forward with boldness and I want my sons to see that I, I want my sons to be able to sit under that kind of thing um, and so for that it's been a, it's been a tremendously beneficial um uh, blessing for us
1: yeah that totally makes sense I I think of used in speaking to men speaking of masculinity um at least the voices that I hear there is no shortage of people saying that we need more masculinity within the church and more Godly masculinity but I think what men at least in my stage of life and, and then younger are at a deprivation of is seeing it, seeing it exemplified and being able to see it lived out on a day in and day out basis. Because oftentimes, I mean, yeah, you can hear, you can hear somebody talk about it, but then to see it happen in the day in and the day out is, um, it seems like that's kind of the, the order that God had designed for men to, to learn and to grow. And because of the nature of technology or because of just the segregation of different jobs and careers you know, you're not able to be with your son, you know, every day, uh, as he's learning these things. Um, and, and very few fathers are able to be with their, with their sons as they're in those formidable years. Um, and then even beyond that, I say those formidable years, but your young twenties. And as a young father, I think there is a great desire just to see it, to, to witness it, to see it exemplified, um, to, to, to see a guy that's in your stage, you know, you've got nine children, you're running a business. Um, you're loving your wife well you're you're active yeah. in your church um, because those are things that many men say amen to and then you wake up and you think boy how you know how how do, how do we do this and actually speaking to that because you kind of break down what your life looks like today because with everything that you already mentioned like I mean even from like a practical standpoint because you know, running a running a business full-time you guys have a pretty big team that you're managing yeah. um you've got your family like what is what does your monday through monday look like yeah. um on a practical level
0: yeah i mean that answer would have looked would have sounded so much different a couple of years ago um uh, and so um i don't know that i've uh i don't know that i've even quite figured out a um what a monday to monday looks like because we literally um uh, we we just hired a pastor. <laughs> yes. And this church is a year and a half old. And so so essentially the elders that had been running the, the the church have been the pastors, the unpaid pastors, um, and have been operating in that in that regard. So so things are going to look differently for me now that we have a pastor at this at our church. Um, when we hired our headmaster um, for Christ the King Academy, that took a tremendous. I mean, he just he took on so much work and took it so far beyond anything that. I or any of the other board members could have taken it. So, I mean, one of the big things to think about when 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 planning out a schedule or for your young man and you're trying to think like how do I how, how do I figure all of this out is is the biggest thing is like you have got to invest in people because because you are very uh, as a as an individual you are um, are very incapable of getting that much done. Hmm. Um, you can't get that much done in one single day, but when you partner with lots of people and you combine your your mindset with their mindset and, and they their like-minded people and you work on building this kind of community, so you're working towards shared goals together, um, that just exponentially increases your productivity. But then there's a third there's a third component, and, and you and you and Katie are finding this out with your podcast, um, is that um, it's time. It's it's. Got to be time. A, a lot of time, a lot of a lot of young men, um, a lot of men, just in general, myself certainly included, we end up getting discouraged when things don't pan out right away. Um, and 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 there's a there's a quote. Everybody everybody says it. So I apologize if you've heard it a bunch of times already. But um, uh, but people, um, men especially, but people in general, um, always overestimate what they can get done in a year, and they us- underestimate what they can get done in ten years. Um, So, so if you take, if you start thinking in terms of 10 year, 10 year increments, then all of a sudden that, that totally changes how you plan out your days, because those 10 years are made up of 3,650 days and, or some change. But the, but the fact is, is that each one of those days matters, but not any one day is the absolute mission critical thing. And if you do, if you screw it up, it's going to, everything's going to fall apart. Or if you do it right, it's all going to be successful. Right. So just so just thinking that. So back to your question, though, I'm not trying to skirt around the issue, but um, generally right now with with the with the launch of this school, we're about seven weeks in. Um, I'm still very heavily involved, at least in the morning, um, uh, getting kids to school, helping, helping um, just figure out or um, work through all of the different uh, things that come and go um, in a new facility. Um, our, our, lo- our our facilities actually um, uh, the uh, our facility and our church share the same, um, share the same building. Um, so I'm constantly there doing, doing stuff on behalf of either Christ Covenant Church or Christ the King Academy. Um, but generally, like, uh, f- for example, today I happen to have an elders meeting, and that elders meeting went from about 8.30 to about 10.45. And then at 11 o'clock, um, I had a team meeting with, my, with my, my company, Mount Capra, um, and that went from about 11 o'clock to about 12.30. And then after that, from 1230 to about 130, um, I just did individual meetings with people. Um, And so my particular point in life right now is I oftentimes, I I somewhat miss the days where I wouldn't get bugged and I could just work on a project uninterrupted. And I don't mean interrupted for my kids, because you always get interrupted by your kids, but just uninterrupted by people needing your help and all your different things. Um, and so once I kind of got the, mind, the, the mindset shift of my days are not necessarily in all the, the checkoffs that I to do, but all the people I've connected with and the overall goals, are we moving more and more in the direction of the goals and the direction that God is, is drawing us towards? And are we connecting these communities together so that we're not one of the, one of the biggest lies about, American, about uh, that Americans live, live by? is this idea of individualism. Everything is about you, the individual. And, and partly that's a, that's a rejection of, you know, the kind of the communistic view of everything in community kind of thing. But, but in rejecting that, when you live entirely an individualistic life, you're so much less effective. You're so much more impotent because your strength is so much less extended when it's just your own. Um, And so that's where investing, investing in your children is one of the best investments you could make, but then investing in the people around you, whether it's at your church, school, homeschool, co-op, your business, your, whatever it is, whether the homeschool soccer league, whatever it is, investing in those people will always pay off and it'll always pay off. It'll almost never pay off on the day of the investment, but it'll almost always pay off within, within years or decades of the investment.
1: Well, yeah, it does seem like that individualistic uh, worldview that permeates throughout our culture. You know, I feel like you sense it, you see it first in marriage. When you're like, "Oh man, like it's hard to have that individualistic mindset into marriage," because I mean, that's not the way. That's not actually. That's not even marriage. Actually, it's two 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 becoming one is is marriage. And then it, and then you see it with your family, um, and then it starts trickling out into your commu- into your church, and you start realizing, "Oh man, I was never even created to look at my life as." Our lives aren't even our own life. You know, it's like our, well, our lives have been bought in this life that we now live by faith. We live in the context of, if we're married, being one with our wife. If we're fathers, then being, you know, the leader of our home and making decisions based off of that. And then being part of a local assembly, too. You know, you think of all these, we're so good at taking any, you know, New Testament exhortations and applying them to our personhood when they're written to a church. You know, they're saying, okay, how does this apply to me? Um, versus looking at how it was written, you know, which was to which was to a body of believers. Um, So moving moving beyond kind of what your family's doing now I do have to ask are the kids out on the farm you know are the kids out milking goats and cleaning up or or is that mostly just like a marketing piece to bring them out every once in a while for a video shoot you know yeah, we, don't even, we don't even live there
0: we we rent out that once once a year to take pictures <laughs> <laughs> well, no they do i mean and and it's uh you know i mean we are milking we we are milking uh you know uh, we have 500 goats and not all of those goats get milked every day, um, but let's just say 300 of them do. Uh, we milk them twice a day. So we're milking 600 wow. goats a day. Um, and that if you were to just start and stop with milking goats, you'd probably be milking for 10 hours straight. Wow. Um, and so so we definitely don't run this farm entirely on family manpower uh, only. We have we have, uh, we have a really dedicated team on the farm we have a really dedicated team down here at our office, uh, at our office space in downtown Chehalis. Um, we have a really dedicated team at our production facility, at our bottling facility. It's just like these these people make this happen. This couldn't happen without these people. Um, and, and so the kids actually play a very important role on the farm, but it's not constant. It's they're not they're not always they're not always doing something on the farm as a as a group, um, but every year. Um, starting in about February, going through about uh, June or July, um, we are in uh, what we call kid season. And kid season is when all the baby goats are being born on the farm. And every day they're getting up at 530 in the morning. And we're going out there and we're feeding the baby goats. And then every evening at 530, we're going out there and we're feeding the baby goats again. And, and we're nursing the ones that are sick. And we're helping the moms that are having trouble giving birth and, and that kind of thing. So if, if, we didn't, if I didn't have at least my six older kids, the three younger ones are not that helpful yet. But if I didn't at least have my six, this is, this actually goes back to what I was saying about kids being wealth. Like my, my 13 year old son has been in charge, literally in charge of the kid raising operation since he was 11, since the time he was 11 years old. Hmm. And, and I mean, when I say in charge, I don't mean that in a, in a, in a euphemistic way. I mean, like literally we'll go out and his name's Charles. I'll say, okay, Charles, what do you want me to do? And he, he knows what needs to be done. and I don't, and I like literally need him to tell me what to do. And he like, he gets in, he's like totally takes on the responsibility and he's a great herdsman and he knows what he's doing. Um, And so raising kids, the goat kind is way much, way easier because I first raised the other kid, the human kind to be this, this, this incredibly capable 13 year old who, who can, who can go out there and do a better job than I can do. Wow. what, what. What incredible, which parent out there, which one of your listeners who's a parent doesn't want their kids to go beyond where they have been able to go? That's right. If, if you're a good parent, you want your kids to do better than you did. Mm. Because, because, you, because if, you had, if you had crummy parents, that means you're doing better than your parents did. Mm-hmm. And if you had great parents, then you need to take the work that they did and you need to take it further than they did. And then you need to raise your kids up to take it further. And that's how the kingdom grows. Mm-hmm. The kingdom grows. Um, generation by generation, as the gospel goes forth in victory um, and so so I get to see that in a firsthand experience on the farm um, and like I said, this doesn't happen all the time we're not constantly doing goat feeding and um, but when we do do it it's it's everything else shuts down in our life and we, we stay pretty focused on that
1: you know what i ha- I recently I love everything you just said and thanks for sharing that um, i've recently i think had well the Lord's opened my eyes to the potential of you know multigenerational uh, faith, or the reality of what that could look like of multi generational faith, and I think I would hear that term thrown around, and but I never personally had uh, like a, a visceral reaction to it in a positive way, or really I was just kind of apathetic towards it, uh, probably because of that individualistic mindset that I had towards life. I just kind of wanted my marriage to be good and to you know live out my eighty five years here or ninety years, you know, in peace and happiness. Um, but when you're talking about building into the next generation and then, and so doing building into the generation beyond that. What are things, because to me, when I have that perspective, it makes the nightly family Bible study mean so much more because when it's just to get through it and to kind of check off a box of, boy, I hope my kids know the Lord and I hope I, I teach them the, you know, the appropriate Bible passages and give them the right context here and then get through it versus Seeing what the Lord can do through generational faith and what He has done in in the history of the church through generational faith, then it makes being out on the farm far more meaningful, and it makes the evening Bible study and the evening worship time with your family and the and the breakfast time far more meaningful. When did you kind of start getting that vision for multi multi generational, you know, faith um, in a way that actually affected your practical living? Yeah,
0: yeah, I I, I mean. <clears throat> Um, there's a there's a saying that says your theology um, uh, is only theology if it comes at your fingertips. Yeah. Um, and so if your theology is not coming out at your fingertips, it's not really theology. It's it's just uh, it's just a, a, a kind of a, an ascent to an idea. Uh, and so when I started um, really looking at a particular theological concept called postmillennialism.
1: Oh, here um, we go. Let's go.
0: <laughs> it it changed a lot for me. Yeah. It changed a lot for me. I I grew up with. Uh, with the kind of the expectation that um, that the end was always near, the end was always just around the corner. There was, there was this, that, or the other thing that indicated that the world was about to end, um, and that Christians just need to be ready to for the Lord to come back and us to be raptured. And um, and I and I'm not trying to speak for the Lord. He can come back in the, before this podcast is over, should he so desire. That's that's his prerogative. But when you look through the scriptural evidence for um, for that idea. I actually I grew up with it. I never questioned it, and um, and it wasn't necessarily even taught explicitly to me. It was just implicitly. Yes. It was just implicitly um, directed towards me. And so the first time I heard the idea, the post millennial idea that the gospel was actually going to move out into the world from from the Great Commission, Matthew twenty eight, uh, Jesus says all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, and therefore. This is what you need to do. Go into all the world, make disciples, and teach them everything I've commanded them to do. Um, baptize them, teach them everything I've commanded. The first time I heard that through the idea, through the idea that um, the prophecy of the, the of, of this being the beginning of the prophecy of, of the the knowledge of the Lord covering the earth as the waters cover the sea, it made me think to the to, it made me pause and ask myself a question. Am I expecting Christ's church to be victorious at all, or am I expecting this to be something similar to Saigon, right before the end of the Vietnam War? Uh, if you remember, in, in Saigon, the um, the the Allies are surrounded by the enemy, and, and we're just helicoptering people off as fast as we can before the Viet Cong take over. and uh, And I think that was the the mindset I grew up with was like that's that's what that's where we're at. the the all the, all the faithful Christians are, are leaving and, and it's just us, we're left and Jesus is gonna come back any minute. And so, so basically get as many people out of here as possible. The first time I heard the idea that the gospel was gonna be victorious, it was just like, it, there was just something that clicked in my head. And, and, and in fact, somebody even made the, made the comparison that, that this 2022 is the early church. We're still in the early church. We're, we, we think of the early church as the first century, no, this is the, the first couple of millennia. That's just, we're just getting started, um, and in in thinking through um, the idea of what if what if we're here for another fifty thousand years? What if what if I have the ability as a as a man in the, in the in the twenty first century to affect generations, ten generations, fifteen generations, twenty generations down the line, people who will never remember me? I'm going to go in the ground. But this Christ that I follow, this Christ that has come to make all things new, this Christ who has come to save the world, he's going to continue to march on. And I will join the church triumphant, that cloud of witnesses that is encouraging other people along in this. To me, that, that makes tremendous um, sense, biblical sense. But it also just like, gets me fired up to go out there and ask, Lord, how can I build your kingdom today? like what what things can i do to build your kingdom i teach my kids pray three things in the morning thank god for making you thank god for redeeming you and ask him how can you build his kingdom today and that's and that's really that's the prayer of a christian we we thank god and then we serve god in whatever way whatever way he has for us and so those good works that he set out for us to do before the world even was created he created these good works for us to do those are kingdom building works and i want to be a part of that Mm. Um, and so that's the thing that's probably more than anything else seeing christ's kingdom grow seeing the church victorious that's probably more than anything um the motivating factor behind all of this um everything that i do
1: yeah and you know even if to me as a guy that has not studied the eschatology to a level of being able to you know confidently claim um, a post uh, or, or pre stance, just asking the hypothetical question. If, because, I mean, people have had those stances, you know, for, for years and people have been ready for Christ to come a thousand years ago. You know, maybe it was a minority that had that worldview or maybe in the Christian faith. But let's just here hypothetically, if, if not just my children and my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren are going to be here on earth, what if? What if five more generations or six? Just what if? Because if people had my perspective five generations ago, then there was very limited thinking and how they're investing into the future. And it's and it's pretty remarkable how you know even if I don't feel the need to. Well, I, I think studying eschatology is good, but just apart from that world, apart from a stance on that, saying okay, what if this here this is here do i want my children to have a greater understanding of god's word so that they can then disciple their children who can then disciple their children or is it getting watered down each generation because all you're really looking forward to is it is just getting it getting out of here you know or are you really thinking about investing in to hundreds of years down down the road and it actually affects the way you 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 look at your health i mean and you would know far more about this than i would because of your education and and nutrition and and you're in and, and you're in that industry, but so we so much of the nutrition and what we put in our body is gonna show itself in in our lineage. It's gonna start coming coming down the line. And when you're thinking, okay, what type of genes am I passing on to my kids and then to my grandkids, my great kids, you are far more motivated to change your dietary habits. And and likewise with your business, how you're investing in to the community with, with your business and your money and so on. Um, and so I'm really inspired by just a multi-generational perspective that that implements change now. And like you said, um, if it's, if the theology is like, you know, what does you say? What's the quote with the fingertips and your theology? Yeah. You know, yeah like, the
0: theology has to come out of your fingertips. So.
1: Yes, exactly. And, and I've heard it said, you know, if it's good theology, then of course it's practical, you know, like that's just, that's just the reality of it. Um, and so, yeah, and I, and I, and what you're doing really to me is, uh, is, is a, is a true emblem of that, of, yeah, of, there, there was a, um... there was a
0: you, you've probably, we've all heard that your kids will read better if you read to them, if you read them books. So read to your kids all the time and, and, I'm, and you absolutely need to do that. Um, but what's very interesting is I was just reading about a study where they found out that it's, it was not that your kids read better if you read to them. It's that your kids read better if you were the kind of parent that reads to your kids. Mm. So if you're the kind of parent that reads to your kids, your kids are going to read better. It's not just the mechanical act of you reading to your kids. It's like if you're that kind of parent, your kids are going to become like that. Mm. And, and that was one of the most sobering things about being a parent, being a dad, is is the biblical truth that our children, our children become like their parents. Our yes. children... The student becomes like his master, and so our children will reflect us, and they'll reflect our strengths, and more 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 frightening, they reflect our weaknesses too. Yes. Um. And so just like as you are considering this, the multi generational aspect of like, okay, what am I doing today that's going to affect um, my my great 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 grandchildren? They won't remember me, but what am I doing now? That first of all, it puts a whole lot more of an epic feel to your day. Like this actually matters. Yes. (laughs) But, but secondly, it also takes the mindset off of you because it's not about you. It, Mm -hmm. the the world doesn't begin and end with, with the generation that is you. And, and that, and the generational snobbery is really the problem. It's always the problem. That's why generations always fight with each other because every generation thinks it's the best. Yeah. Um, But, but we're all the worst. That's, that's the thing to remember. So all generations need the redemptive work of Christ. And so, um, there, there, isn't like a, there isn't a sense in which, oh, this generation is better than this generation or anything like that. It's the fact that we, we need to fully trust in the redeeming work of Christ and we need to teach our kids their own um, unworthiness apart from that. And, and, and too often you, you um, get the blessings of God and because you have the blessings of God, because you've got these blessings, you're apathetic about passing those on to your kids. And so, um, you know, you've you've heard you've heard the uh, you've heard the, the saying that that weak t- that weak times create hard, um, create weak men, or good times create weak men, um, and that hard times create hard men, and in hard time hard men create good times. And so the, the the trick is, as the hard men are rising up in our generation now, and they create good times 50, 75, 100 years down the road, is that will the men that they raise up keep that going, or will they soften? Mm -hmm. and just soften themselves to to the good times and just Mm. just wax fat and kick
1: (laughs) yes yes yeah I mean that is the propensity for sure um you know uh just a couple more things before we wrap up here I I hear it probably on a daily basis people are hungry for community they they say man I want to be around like-minded believers it's hard i want to homeschool but no none of my family is none of my friends are homeschooling um we don't have anybody that are you know in a biblical church we don't we don't know how to find that and uh something i admire about you is that from the time it seemed like you moved back to centralia you had uh, or lewis county you had a vision to to create something on your own and like what's a piece like can people create that? Can people go about creating that? And what, would, what what did that look like for you and what could people look for in creating um, a Christ-centered culture and community wherever yeah. they're living?
0: Well, you know, you, you just said something interesting there. You said that it was something I wanted to create on my own. And and ultimately, I've been we've been back on the west side now for 10 years. We moved back here in 2012, it's 2022, and it's just now kind of the, the classical Christian school is just getting off the ground. We we had a failed attempt at creating a classical Christian school in 2013. It mm. didn't work. Um, we just didn't get the we just didn't get the support we needed. Um, but this was not because in and, and, and so it's not something that I wanted to do. It was it was something it was my heart's desire, but it wasn't something I, I could do on my own. Um, like I I I have a lot of kids, but I don't have enough kids to start up my own church. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know you need. A, 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 Church at home with it, when it's just you and your family is not church, you, you've got to get out there. You have to, I mean, so the, so the first and foremost thing is that if your community doesn't have this, uh, take a good long hard look at whether or not the community that you're a part of is worth a multi-generational investment. Um, and if your folks are already there, your family's already there, then I would give you, a, I would say it probably is worth it. Because if you're in an area where your family already is, then you've got a leg up everybody else. If you don't have any connections to your community at all, then I would look for a place to move to. We're in the midst of the great migration right now, and a lot of the move, a lot. I worry that a lot of people moving are going to end up somewhat um, disappointed. They go to all this work to move because they they see this great community, and then they find, oh, these people are sinners too, and and community is really hard here too. And it's like they they just brought all the problems that they were already having with them. But if you have no if you have no roots where you're at then I would encourage you to find a place that, that is doing it well and move there. If you have roots there, then one of the things, again, another lie our culture wants to tell us is that we should raise our kids up in such a way that we encourage them to leave so they can go out and see the world. Well, I'm not, I'm not forcing any of my kids to stay in Lewis County, but I want to build institutions. I wanna build up a community that our kids actually want to, to join. I, I want my kids not to desire to just leave. I want them to want to stay. And I'm not going to force them to, but I would like, I would love for them to, because then they get to take it to the next level someplace that I, that I can. Um, so if you're, if you, if you have roots, I would stick, I would probably stay where you are. If you don't have roots, I would find a spot that does. Um, and then you just, this all flows out of worship. Everything is downstream of worship. If you don't have a church, then you need to, that needs to be your primary goal. Even, even before work, community, anything like that is your church. Your church is the, the, the apex of creation and it's from which everything else flows. Too often Christians will look at church as the thing as as like the hobby or, or whatnot. And, and I I alluded to it earlier, but there's a, there's a guy by the name of Aaron Wren. Great. uh, He's a great commentator, but he has what he, he calls his three views of Christianity. And there's the positive world, the neutral world, and the negative world. In a nutshell, the positive world was everything prior to 1994. Um, The neutral world was from 1994 to 2014. And the negative world for Christianity is from 2014 on. Right now, in the negative world of Christianity, being a Christian does not get you any social benefits. Um, Christian morality is being um, repudiated. That's being cast out. And, And that's not because, I don't believe it's because Jesus is almost coming back. I think it's because um, it's either Christ or it's chaos. You can pick one or the other. Our Christ or our culture has rejected Christ, and therefore we have chaos. Um, but that—that's that's our culture as a whole. <clears throat> there is a a book I couldn't recommend more by a, a gentleman by by the name of Raymond Simmons, and it's called um, The Confessional County. And the confessional county, the the, the gist of the book is that <clears throat> while we should believe fully that that America <clears throat> can be saved, that, that Christ is king over America. Um, what we can, that might be a, the type of, America might not survive our degeneracy. Um, and if she does, it'll be only because we repent, but that might be, you know, that might be 500 years down the road. In the meantime, we can just work at reforming our local counties, you know, our local communities. Um, and so he, he really emphasizes the idea of, of mo- if, if you're going to move, Finding a rural county that's small enough that you actually can, can have a little bit of influence, more influence on than you would in a larger county. Um, but then, so find yourself a church. If there isn't a good church, maybe there's a one that you can be a part of reforming, or maybe you can find a place that you can move to. But I would start and end with the church because Lord's Day worship is the pinnacle of all creation. It's the time that God's people get to be lifted up and meet with him in the heavenly places. And then we get sent back out to, to do
1: his will. And so finding a church is the number one thing you can do. Amen. Love that. Yeah, that's so good. So good. Um, before we wrap up, Joe, first, I mean, thank you for doing this. Wow. Thank Absolutely. you for taking taking time out of your busy life. How can people find you? Like, you know, I'm going to link your business, Mount Capra, because sure. you've got just a plethora of products. What are kind of like your headliner products for people, just so that we kind of have a, a little bit of a context? Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things your listeners might be most interested in is if they have young, if they have very young, like infants and, and whatnot, um, we we produce a, um, uh, a, a nutritional formula for that's for infants. Uh, it's not a, it's not a finished product formula. It's actually a recipe. Um, and we produce most of the ingredients for that, for that recipe. Um, and so like uh, we, saw, we say it was absolutely insane back in May when the, when all the uh, yeah. infant formula shortages were, uh, either happening or being caused, whatever it was, <laughs> but um, but so that's one of the biggest ones that your listeners might be interested in knowing about. It's just it's just an alternative to um, commercial baby formula. Um, obviously, I'm in, I'm a nutritionist, so you know if you can breastfeed, that's always that's always ideal. Breast milk is always the best standard, but but if you can't, there's lots of people who can't. Um, then this is kind of the next best thing. And I, I, of course, I'm biased, but I think it's the next best thing. Yes. Um, I actually created it in 2012 for my. For my third child, my second daughter, Liesl. She was incredibly allergic to cow milk, and so I created this formula um, that essentially mimicked breast milk in its macronutrient profile and micronutrient profile, at the same time, um, following, uh, following the nutritional requirements, minimums, and, and maximum requirements um, that are placed upon commercial formula makers. Mm. So, so it kind of gets the best of both worlds. You kind of get your hippie crunchy side of things because you're making your own, but you also have the science behind it. So you're not just, you know, feeding your kid carrot juice kind of
1: thing. Yep. Okay. That's great. I love it. Yeah. So I'll link your store below. Um, and once again, is there any other place that you can send people, to just kind of so they can see what you're about and anything that you've got going on, or is MountCapra.com the best place for yeah, people?
0: Mount, Mount Capra is great. MountCapra.com is a great spot to go. Um, yeah. I've got, I, I have a, I have a website where I put some of my music that I created, my podcast. I, I created a podcast. I haven't done podcasting here for a while, but I actually created a podcast on the church calendar um, back in 2019. Um, that's just at Joe um, Okay. So the, they can, they can check things out there if, if they ca- care to know more about that. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's just, it's so much fun. Um, it's fo- so fun to catch up with you, uh, brother, and yeah. see, see the successful uh, business you and your wife are making and uh, all those little little rugrats you got running around. And I know how, know how busy that is, man. Yeah, it's, it's a good life. Yeah. If I could give you a little encouragement, it's like, how old's your oldest? Five. Five. Okay. So, so you're about to turn a corner you're about to turn a corner and that, and that oldest one's about to get, start to get helpful.
1: Maybe you're he nice. is. <laughs> yeah, I think he's helpful. I mean, it's okay, crazy. Sure, just yeah. the, the contrast between him and like the one and a half year old, you know, it's pretty dramatic. So yeah,
0: the, the most intense period of, of our life was when we had four kids and our oldest was three. And we had a three, a two, a one and a newborn. And that yeah. was, that was just insanely busy. And we had nobody help, you know, no none of the kids were helpful yet and, but it, it you get you get through that and it's just it's just smooth sailing and they just yeah. get more fun the older they get I, I tell people if you can have lots have lots of kids because man they are just you'll you never regret having kids
1: amen amen yeah and yours are packed in there nine kids 13 yeah. and younger that's yeah. good that's yeah. good yeah. yeah well done well Joe thank you so much for doing this and uh blessings on you and your family and um yeah i I'll, I'll share everything below so that everybody can find you online
0: Wonderful! It's great to great to be here, and uh, blessings on your listeners, and blessings on your family, brother. God bless All you. All
1: right, bye bye.